Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. It is uh, Memorial Day weekend, and I hope that video gives you something to really think about and keep in front of you as tomorrow rolls around, because Memorial Day is, traditionally, it's a kickoff to summer. Not that it feels much like summer yet, although it was, I don't know, it felt like it was 100 degrees yesterday, it's going to be 40 today, I don't know. Uh, But we get a long weekend, We we get Monday off, and that's typically family, and it's fun, and it's things like barbecues and such. And, of course, we're going to be starting our uh, softball season, so I just want to remind you, if you want to play, we could use a couple more players on our uh, team, give the office a call, and that would be great. But that's not why we have the day off, not to practice softball or to look forward to summer. It's about remembering and bringing to the front of our mind the things that are important, the things that we should never forget, the things that we heard highlighted in that video. Although as people of God, we're told we're not to dwell on the past. We're not supposed to live in the past. We're supposed to live in the present, press on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, forgetting the past. But the Bible does speak about reminders. It speaks to us about things that should bring a reminder to us about the greatness of God, memorials, things in the past that we should remember. Now, I know with the weather that we've been having, many of us have seen rainbows, haven't we? Come on, with the amount of rain, I know I've seen some. And I felt like maybe Noah would be coming back a couple of times these past weeks. Uh, But that bow in the sky is a reminder to us, isn't it? To remember the covenant that God made with Noah. God cast the bow in the sky, and it's an instant reminder. For those of us who are in, uh, in the covenant, we're God's people, and we know that Old Testament narrative about Noah, it is an instant reminder. Hey, God's never going to flood the entire earth again. It brings to mind that promise. In the Old Testament, Joshua set up 12 stones to memorialize the day that Israel crossed the Jordan into the promised land. So that every time the Israelites saw that pile of stones, they'd remember God's goodness. Every time we sit down at communion, it's a memorial meal. We're called to remember what Jesus has done for us. Do this in remembrance of me, he said. So throughout Scripture, God does call his people to remember, not necessarily to live in the past, but to remember, to remember his grace and his mercy and his loving kindness, all the great things that he's done for his people, his wonderful and his awesome and mighty deeds. And the Bible gives us many, many examples of remembrance, commemoration, memorial, reminders for us. Why? we do not forget, lest we forget the things that are important. So 
our nation has set aside tomorrow as a day of remembrance, a reminder that we would not forget those who died in an effort to secure and maintain our liberty, what we enjoy, what we enjoy this morning, just being able to come in here and worship God openly. Little brief, brief history on Memorial Day. It began in the latter part of the 1800s to commemorate those who had died in the Civil War. And originally it was called Decoration Day because the custom was people would go to gravesides and they would decorate the graves. And that custom was primarily celebrated by the folks in the North. They had uh, been the victors in the Civil War. But when World War I came around, it somewhat unified the country and a common cause and the North and the South could come together. And after that war, after that first world war, uh, the day became to remember all who died in service to their country. And since that time, of, of course, we've seen many, many conflicts, skirmishes, wars, of course, World War II and uh, many other wars. And Memorial Day, uh, became marked by uh, our government in 1971 as the last Monday of May to be officially known as our country's Memorial Day. Now, it'd be nice if that's all we were doing today is looking back, but unfortunately, skirmishes, troubles, trials, wars continue. Since 9-11-2001, our soldiers... Uh, men and women, they've been put to the test and many have given their lives. So we're not only re recalling past wars, but even things that are occurring today in the stark reality of the present. I saw an article the other day uh, about the first American who died in the uh, Afghanistan war right after 9-11-2001. Uh, His name was uh, Johnny uh, Michael Spann. And his father gave this uh, recount of the day that they called him Mike. Mike Spann uh, was deployed. And it says this, Johnny Spann, father of Mike Spann, the first American killed in the Afghanistan war, recalled his son's last moments when his then nine-year-old daughter, with his then nine-year-old daughter, before deploying in 2001. Mr. Spann said, the night before Mike left to go to Afghanistan, his daughter Allison was nine years old at the time, and she cried and begged her daddy not to go when he told her he was going to be leaving the country because she knew what had happened. Allison knew about 9-11. She was old enough to know. They talked about it in school. Mike's answer to her was, Allison, we've been attacked People like me have to do things I do to be sure that people like you and everybody else has the freedoms that you do to be able to go to church, go to school, go to the playground, go to the mall, and do the things you do. I don't have a choice. We have to go. It's a, really a, a stark reminder of the men and the women who give their lives for us. So it's fitting that we take time this weekend to remember them. And thank God, thank God for them. Thank God for people like uh, Mike Spann and the innumerable men and women uh, who've exemplified the 
bravery and self-sacrifice. They've embodied the virtues of uh, courage and loyalty and devotion. And they've given their lives for what we enjoy, for the freedoms and the liberty we enjoy. So remember them tomorrow. Even if you're at a barbecue or you're doing something with the family, maybe it is a pickup softball game, whatever. Take some time to remember what the day is all about. Because remembering is important. We should care about it. I think we should because all of us, we care about being remembered. I believe that. Us as people, we care about it. Especially when we think about God. We want to be remembered by God. We want him to Think of us. And scripture shares these deep human feelings, this care about wanting to be remembered. Psalm 42, verse 9 says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 14, we read, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Samson, the Old Testament judge, he prayed in Judges 16, verse 28, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Hannah, Hannah the barren woman who so desperately wanted a child, she prayed in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant. There were kings, kings like Hezekiah prayed, remember me, Lord, the downcast, people like the man Job, the man of sorrows. He prayed to God, Lord, remember me. Nehemiah, who was a great leader, went to rebuild the broken walls of Jerusalem. He prayed, Lord, remember me. It's the human condition, it's the human desire to be remembered and to be remembered by the Lord. Have you ever felt as though you've been forgotten? Have you ever felt as though God has forgotten about you? You know, we might feel that way at times. But I want to tell you this morning, God has not forgotten you. We may feel it, but he has not forgotten. He has, from the earliest portions of Scripture, made it clear that he remembers. And we're going to consider a passage this morning from the Old Testament. It's a passage about the special garments, the clothes that God prescribed for the high priest. Garments that the priest had to wear when he came into the presence of God. And they were very fine and elaborate And the portion of scripture we're going to look at, it only describes one piece of the clothing, not the entire ensemble. And you might be wondering, what in the world has that got to do with remembering? Well, let's look at the scripture and see how this seemingly insignificant passage from the Old Testament can relate to us even today. It's from Exodus uh, chapter 28, and it 
It's all about, that, that whole chapter is all about the clothes that the uh, high priest had to have designed and created for him. I'm just going to read about one part of that clothing. It's verses 6 to 14. It says, make the, make the ephod of gold and of blue, purple, and scarlet, and of finely twisted linen, the work of skilled hands. It is to have two shoulder pieces attached to two of its corners so that it can be fastened. Its skillfully woven waistband is to be like it, of one piece with the ephod and made with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and with finely twisted linen. Take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth, six names on one stone and the remaining six on the other. Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. Then mount the stones in gold filigree settings and fasten them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. Aaron is to bear the names on his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord. Make gold filigree settings and two braided chains of pure gold like a rope and attach the chains to the settings. There's an interesting passage of Scripture with a whole bunch of detail that we may have read and glossed right over and said, what in the world has it got to do with me? And uh, It's about Aaron. Aaron, who was the first high priest. He was the brother of Moses. In this passage in Exodus 28, it describes all these clothes that they were to be tailored for Aaron. And this passage right here, the verses I just read, they describe the ephod, which it was a type of apron. But it was extremely elaborate, wasn't it? Fine yarn, gold, precious gemstones. And then this, this ephod would be worn by the high priest when he came into the presence of God. This is what is being described here. These were the clothes that the priest would have to put on before he would go into this place in the tabernacle or the tent or what uh, became the permanent temple later, right in the very center, the holiest place. They called the Holy of Holies or the most holy place. It was the very center where the presence of God resided. And his presence resided in a visible cloud, a cloud of glory. When the high priest entered into that, he had to be completely prepared. He had to be cleaned. He'd have to take a bath before he'd do anything. He had to clean himself up. Then he'd have to put on all these clothes. Then he had to make sacrifice for his sin. Then he had to make sacrifice for the sins of the people. And then when he went into the presence of God, all prepared, he had to bring in the blood of the sacrifice. And they had to sprinkle this blood on the throne seat of Almighty God. They called it the mercy seat. It was the, the tabernacle that they carried around the, the tablets of the Ten Commandments. And there was a piece of man in there. And Aaron's staff was in there. And this is where... God's presence would come down on the top of that ark or that mercy seat where angels in gold as depicted in heaven. And then the blood of the sacrifice was sprinkled to atone for sin. 
sin of the people. This blood was sprinkled before Almighty God. This was the ministry of the high priest. And it was not a ministry for himself alone. He wasn't just doing this for his own sin. No, the high priest's ministry was for the entire nation, for all of God's people. And the high priest was, in effect, presenting all of the people before God. And how was that happening? Aaron is to bear the names of the sons of Israel on his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord. The sons of Israel represented the entire nation, represented all of the people. The 12 sons, there were six on each shoulder, and they had to be there in the order of their birth. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, that was one shoulder. Then on the other shoulder, there was Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin, engraved in uh, an onyx stone. It said like a jeweler, not something haphazardly. Yeah, this wasn't a guy with just a hammer and a chisel banging out some names. This was finely engraved. This was precise. Like a, a jeweler would work on a piece of jewelry or it said in the scripture, a gem cutter engraves a seal. This is fine. This is precise. This is accurate. An onyx set in gold with, with gold chains connecting to the, the rest of the garment. What was this all about? What was the point? It's a memorial. A memorial before God, the scripture tells us. Now, envision the high priest going into uh, the holiest place of the temple, into the very presence of God. He had to go behind this heavy curtain. He was alone before God, sprinkling the blood of the sacrifice on the front and the sides of this mercy seat. And as he did this all the while, there are the names of the children of Israel facing upward. They're a memorial before God. So God's looking down, seeing them, seeing these names, the names of the tribes representing all of the people. The people were not forgotten. Their names were before God. Precisely on a precious stone because they're precious to him. But that's all ancient history. What does it mean to us? The word of God in the Old Testament, even in this place that we might just breeze on over, we might read it and say, what is, what is this all about? Passage of scripture that de describes fancy clothes and some God that seems to be all about pomp and, uh, and he requires and demands pageantry and ceremony. But, but, but that's not it at all. This passage that we might just read on by, it points directly to Jesus as does all the Old Testament. The words of the Old Testament are important. And they point to Jesus, even sometimes when it seems that it's absolutely insignificant and it makes no sense at all, it can be pointing right to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. For each 
And every one of us who call on him as Lord and Savior, it's Jesus who gave his life as a sacrifice to put an end to all of, all of that blood sacrifice. And when we look into the New Testament, what do we discover? We discover we have no need at all for a high priest. Well, this is interesting. How is this high priest then even pointing to Christ? Jesus became our one and only high priest. He was the final high priest. And his ministry as a high priest for us is written about at length in the New Testament. And specifically, the book of Hebrews. The letter to the Hebrews describes in depth all that Jesus does for each one of us in this ministry as high priest. You read about it in chapter 2. Four, five, six, seven, nine, ten. High priest, high priest. It's mentioned 18 times in the letter to the Hebrews. How the high priest in the Old Testament had to deal with the blood and, and the sacrifices. How the high priest had to go behind that curtain time after time after time. The letter to the Hebrews makes this point. To make atonement for his own sin and the sin of the people. But then the writer points out the ministry of Jesus. Because that Old Testament high priest was temporary. Jesus, his ministry as high priest is permanent. The Old Testament high priests, they died. And every time one died, a new one had to be appointed. A new one had to be ordained into the ministry to atone for sin. But then there is Jesus. Jesus, the new covenant high priest, the great high priest. Let me give you some. Uh, I'm going to kind of come at you with a fire hose from Hebrews right now. But it's all about Jesus, the high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we pr profess. In Hebrews chapter 6. Verses 19 and 20, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Doesn't that sound familiar? Yes, that was the Old Testament, where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Well, he's entered the new one in heaven. He's become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, and that is a divine order an order of God. And then Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 through 27. Now there have been many of those priests since, the, since death prevented them from continuing in office. There's that temporary. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Let that sink in. Therefore he is able to save completely those who have come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifice day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Then Hebrews 9, verse 11 and 12 when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it 
is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. On and on and on through this letter to the Hebrews, it goes explaining this. Doesn't it make it clear that there's no longer any need for an earthly high priest? We don't have to go to someone to absolve us of our sins or to intercede on our behalf, some man here on earth. We have a high priest whose name is Jesus, and he gave his life as a final sacrifice. He entered into this most holy place, the very presence of the Father, the presence of God, the perfect sacrifice, the sinless man. And he did it one time by his own blood. And he obtained eternal atonement for sin, eternal redemption for all. Do you see him in that ministry? For all. You are part of all. Now remember the Old Testament high priest. He had these onyx stones, precious stones on, on his shoulders with the names, the names of the tribes of Israel to represent all of God's people as a memorial to say, God remembers. And he doesn't forget his people. But I'll see the shoulders of Jesus. The shoulders of Jesus are infinitely larger than any man's. He died for all. He carries your name on his shoulder. Not a name of a tribe, not a name of a family that represents you. Jesus carries your name. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he pointed to Jesus. I just, a couple of excerpts from Isaiah 43 uh, you, you just write down this, that Isaiah 43 speaks to Jesus and his remembering you and your name. It says, do not fear, I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name, you're mine. I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. It's Isaiah 43, and it's all about Jesus you're much more precious than some onyx stone. I mean, that's a, that's a gemstone, but how much more are you a gem in the eyes of God? Far beyond any piece of onyx. I'm reminded of Luke chapter 12. It speaks about value and worth. Jesus' words. Jesus said this in Luke 12, verses six and seven. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. The names on the shoulders of the high priest, they were set in gold. What does that gold represent? It represents value, worth. How valuable God's people were in the sight of God. You're much more valuable than sparrows, Jesus said. More precious than gold. The gold was depicting that. But you are so much more precious than gold. Jesus sacrificed for you. He thought his life was worth giving for you. How valuable does that make you in his sight? He knows your name. 
And when you receive the sacrifice that he gave, when you receive that, he'll never forget you. He will remember you as he intercedes for you. A sparrow is not forgotten by God and neither are you. But our great high priest, Jesus, he doesn't remember everything. You know, he does forget some things. Of Jesus, the high priest, that book of Hebrews, that letter to the Hebrews, continued. And in Hebrews chapter 10, told us some things that the high priest forgets. Hebrews 10, 17 and 18 says this, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Jesus remembers you. And when you come to him sincerely with repentance, he forgets something, your sin. And that's amazing. That is an amazing, amazing blessing. If you have ever been at that place, like I talked about when I opened Psalm 42, verse 9, God, why have you forgotten me? Turn that around. Remember the ministry of the high priest, Jesus. Turn it around and say, God, thank you. Thank you for remembering me. Thank you, Father, that Jesus, the eternal high priest, is ministering in your presence at your very right hand. Thank you that he remembers my name and he carries my name on his shoulder. And thank you that my sins and my lawless acts, he forgot and he remembers them no more. He remembers me. He forgets my sin. So if you've ever felt defeated, if you've ever felt down, if you've ever felt like God has forgotten you, there can be no better encouragement than recognizing Jesus knows your name. He remembers you and he has won you eternal life. Take that with you this morning as you go. Take it with you and remember God remembers you. And as you go into tomorrow, you take a minute or two to remember those people who've fallen and, and given you liberty. Say, thank you, God, I can worship you openly and know you remember me. Let's stand and pray as, as we uh, make our way, as we make our way out for our weekend. And if you, if you don't know if you've never really realized that Jesus did all this for you, you can receive it today. You can receive his ministry this morning. Let's pray, Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for our true high priest, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for his ministry. Thank you that he remembers people like us, me. Lord, and all my failings and shortcomings, Jesus will forget, he'll overlook my sin because I've repented before him. Thank you, Lord, thank you, God, thank you, Lord. If there's anyone in this, in this sanctuary who has never really grasped that, God, I pray that they are grasping it this morning, that they're seeing that you, Jesus, gave your life as a final sacrifice payment for sin and 
It's no longer necessary to sacrifice anything at all. They can just give their life over to you and receive forgiveness of their sins to, and, and say, I'll turn my life to Christ. God, I just pray if there's anyone in here right now, they would do that sincerely. And for all, all of us who call on Jesus and we've called on him for maybe a short time or even all our life as Lord and Savior, bless, Lord. Bless, keep, protect. Thank you for our country. Thank you for those who have won us the liberty to openly praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Bless and keep your people. Watch over them as they go. Keep all safe as we celebrate the goodness that you've given us. Keep them safe. Return us back to praise you and, uh, and honor you. We ask it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Go in his blessing.